This episode is brought to you by Push Messaging God's Urban Airship. They can be found at urbanairship.com and by ThinkNear. Their location score platform delivers the most accurate location targeting available on mobile. Visit them at locationscore.com. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Rob Woodbridge and Asif Khan. Well, hello, everybody. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 209. We were recording this live Saturday morning, November 22nd, 2014. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. I would say not the snowiest place on the planet today. Joining me as always, it is Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association in Toronto for a quick cup of coffee uh, before heading back out on the road. So yeah. Not just on the road, Asif. You were gone basically until Christmas Eve. Your kids are going to be like, hey, mom, is that Santa or dad? A rare sighting in the household, in the Khan household, right? Oh man, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. We've just spent 45 minutes going over your travel schedule for the next month just to try to coordinate what when we're going to do some episodes, when we're going to do some stuff together. And uh, it is insane, man. But at least you get to go down and enjoy a little bit of warmth when you're in Singapore. Yeah. 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 I'm leaving leaving in the morning for Singapore. So yeah. So Singapore, uh, then uh, you're going to uh, Tokyo. Tokyo. And then yeah. back to it, Toronto for uh, a moment. Dallas. Dallas and yeah. then San Francisco. And then yeah. Chicago. Aust- Chicago and Austin. Oh, so yeah, Austin and Chicago. You're like right that's there. in the next, like the next, uh, you know, 25 days. I know. It's crazy. Oh, I see. Man. It's well, all crazy. You, um, you were in Chicago. You were in Toronto. You were in Chicago. Then you went to Atlanta. Uh, how were those events that you went to? Uh, great. I, you know, I had some good meetings in Chicago. I actually got to sit down with uh, the guys at Geophedia. Um, caught up with them they've got some interesting things going on with their their platform i mean the the power of what they can do in terms of social listening like location-based listening uh and aggregating content i mean it's amazing so they're pulling facebook and instagram and twitter all together uh under geofence uh which is which is cool uh so love that uh then went over to atlanta we had our um uh chapter meet up there on uh on beacons with gimbal simplify Coca-Cola and the Atlanta Braves. Uh, so we had a good, uh, good little crowd for that. Really, really engaged panel discussion. Lots of good questions. Uh, so that was cool. Uh, it was cold, though, man. Chicago was cold. Atlanta was cold. Um, you know, Toronto and I get back to Toronto, cold. and it's cold. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to like being in like the uh, 30 degree heat of Singapore. Uh, you know, uh, for the next couple of days. So that'll be uh, that'll be nice. How was the uh, Toronto That's wearable event? Centigrade. Cent- exactly. Out there. A-, a friend of mine just started, um, instead of looking at Celsius up here in Canada, that's what we do up here in Canada instead of Fahrenheit, um, they, she just turned over to looking at Fahrenheit because 16 Fahrenheit is better than minus 4 Celsius. There you go. Right? It's, just, it's, it's psychological. It's not, yeah, it's not totally, below zero. Totally. How, was, uh, how was the wearable event in Toronto? Oh, it was awesome. Uh, yeah, we, uh, you know, it was... Um, we we had a really really cool panel, which was uh, we had the Van Hawks guys there with their smart uh, bike. Amazing. Uh, you know Tom Emmerich, this guy like who moderated the panel. This guy is like he he is like Canada's Mister Wearable, right? Like this guy is like he knows everybody. He, he he's like super knowledgeable in the space. He's got all kinds of devices. 
um, and and just yeah, just f fantastically well moderated panel. Uh, we had the guy uh, Ali from Kiwi, uh, and so they're they're interesting because they're kind of trying to be like a uh, a developer's platform around wearables. So they're not actually selling to consumers uh, at all. Uh, they're, they're they're powering other companies, um, you know, to build wearable uh, objects and things, and and so that's kind of neat. Uh, and uh, and then we had. Um, Tara from uh, from Cassette, uh, who hosted the event, and and she's like she's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. She's working with AT and T in the U S. on a whole, uh, you know, uh, smart home uh, uh, location, family tracking, safety stuff, uh, and tying all that together uh, with wearables. And and yeah, it's not like Life three hundred and sixty though. Those guys, yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah. So uh, you know, just just a really good discussion uh, with folks, and uh, yeah, it was it, it was fun. It was really good. That's uh, that's great. That's great. And so now uh, you've got um, you're heading to Singapore, obviously for a reason. Yeah. So we have uh, the LBMA Singapore chapter has got a meetup uh, on uh, Tuesday evening. So that's the, the uh, let me get, make sure I get my dates right here. That that, that will be the uh, the twenty fifth. Uh, so the evening of the twenty fifth, there's a there's a meetup in Singapore uh, of the chapter there, and uh, and then um, I, I'm. I'm I'm, I'm basically just there for that uh, and hanging out and doing some other meetings with some companies while I'm there and then uh, heading over to Tokyo. The uh, Open Geospatial Consortium has a full week of meetings going on in Tokyo. Um, I'm just tagging on to the sort of the beginning of that because we have a partnership with them and um, I'm going to hang out with the guys over there for a little bit um, and then and then heading over to Dallas uh, for uh, something called the Carrier Wi-Fi Summit which is uh, Basically happening just, uh, December second and third, um, and uh, so Carrier Wi-Fi Summit, small cells uh, discussion, doing a, a panel there uh, as well, uh, doing a keynote and a panel there. So that'll be uh, that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, and then uh, as far as uh, other meetups, the the Chicago chapter actually is getting back together again on the sixteenth uh, for Beacons and Beer. Uh, that's a joint event between uh, our, our LBMA Chicago chapter and a company called Beacon, B-K-O-N, that's uh, hosting a series of these beacons and beer meetups. So as the name implies, it's we're talking about beacons and indoor positioning. Um, so yeah, there's tons. Like I mean, it's the mad rush before everybody goes takes off for Christmas, right? So we have a giant show. Ten top stories, obviously, that we bring to you. Great guest in uh, Ryan Craver, who is the uh, he's formerly of HBC, but he's going to be talking about some of the rollouts that they've done with HBC and Lord and Taylor when it comes to beacons and beacon deployments, and some thoughts on that. Uh, Ryan sat down. I sat down with him uh, about a week ago, and and uh, this is the fruit of that labor and the full episode will be up on untether.tv at some point uh i got so much content coming out it's crazy i can't keep up with the content mm. and of course our uh, ho hopefully we actually get to our resource of the week this week uh we'll see because we'll see, it's a jam 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 packed show um and it starts with the top 10 ready to get going yeah all right it's my turn to start this week yay uh, all right so uh when was the last time you used a payphone have you ever actually, Asif, have you actually um, had to go and uh, point out a payphone when you see it and say like to your kids, hey, kids, that's a payphone. And they say, what's that, daddy? Yeah, right? no yeah. idea. No idea. No right. idea. 
they yeah. started to disappear in the landscape here in Ottawa, and uh, you know there's still tons of them around, but you just they just disappear when they break. They don't fix them, and then they tear them down. But um, here's a novel idea. We've had this brouhaha around uh, payphones and beacons and, and tracking people in New York City, in fact. Well, this company, um, they've, they've actually, uh, I think that this is going through the approval process in New York City. Uh, they're replacing the payphones uh, in New York City with high-speed Wi-Fi hubs. They're called, this initiative is called Link NYC, L-I-N-K-N-Y-C. And they are basically tall pillars with three screens, three touch screens, and charging stations right there in the middle of the street, right? So picture that tall, like I think they're seven or eight feet tall. They're pretty narrow screens on top of them. They're powered by Android. Uh, they can be used for directions and eventually will be able to broadcast emergency messages and offer uh, the ability to provide civic feedback on various topics. So civic engagement, I don't believe that. That's a whole lot of horse crap that people are going to stand in the middle of a street corner uh, and do uh, and vote for stuff in the middle of winter in New York City. That ain't gonna hey, we, happen. We, we used to have Speaker's Corner here in Toronto. Yeah. City it was good during the summer, but not, not, not this, you know, not in the middle of the winter. Uh, now, the great thing about this is it's all ad supported, so no quarters are necessary. And the real beauty is that these become very, very, very interactive contextual displays, allowing for very high and highly targeted ads um, uh, based on the surroundings, based on the time of day, the tone, the feel, uh, whatever you want to call it. This is exactly what, uh, you know, Asif has been preaching since day one. Um, and uh, now if you start to think about what the future might hold, you throw in a beacon, you throw in some kind of tracking technology, and you've got this mesh network for real-time device tracking and people tracking and patterns and all those kind of things, obviously opt all opt-in. Uh, they, if the plan is approved, they're still going through the approval process, but I think they've got conditional improvement. There could be 400 yeah. of these things throughout the city by the year's end, and they're looking for 10,000 of these things deployed to the five boroughs of, of New York. I think this is a an interesting play, but again, uh, you know, very limited. Uh, I, I've been if you've been to New York, it's not warm in the in the winter. These screens, they're all Android based. Could they crack? Could something happen? What happens to maintenance? I, I don't know about mm. the screen side of it. I like the idea of Wi-Fi and uh, connecting the core because sometimes you've been in the corridor in New York and you don't have any signal. So this might be a good way to uh, to do this, and it's very high-speed Wi-Fi. But uh, we'll talk about something like this in a little while. But I think that this is uh, maybe a good start. I think it's in it's excessive, but a good start. There you go. All right, our second story. You remember uh, that, that company, Radio Shack? No, nope, uh, never heard of them. We used to go there back in the day. Um, well, they're still around, and uh, they they came out with an That's announcement. the story right there, isn't it? A yeah, they're still around. <laughs> they're still around. It's kind of like MapQuest, right? <laughs> um, yeah, anyways. Uh, <laughs> Radio Shack. Uh, so they, they, they came out with some news this week, and, and this is something I'm personally uh, very excited about. Um, and uh, they announced that uh, in 2000 of their stores across the U.S., they're going to start selling something called Little Bits. Um, this is basically a, uh, a kit um, for hobbyists to uh, take uh, dumb objects, uh, things around your house, and make them smart. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of embracing the whole Internet of Things movement. It's targeting kids. Um, so basically, uh, they, they call it the Smart Home Kit. Uh, it's a little bit Smart Home Kit. It's going to retail for about 250 bucks, and it lets uh, it lets you take regular household items um, and and turn them into uh, you know uh, things that are connected to the internet. And uh, some of the projects uh, include a monitor that beeps and sends a text alert when the fridge door has been left open. 
uh, or uh, an app uh, that can control a lamp, uh, you know, and things like this. And for me, this was, uh, you know, when I looked at this, it, like, it just made me smile because, like, one of the things that I remember with, with my dad growing up, you know, we had, there was this company called uh, Heathkit back in the day when we used to get the catalog. And you go through, and they had all these little cool little do-it-yourself, you know, early maker movement and stuff where, you know, you can order a kit, and then you sit there. And my dad and I would sit there, and we'd, like, solder, you know, all, you know, with, with the soldering kit and uh, all the little circuits and diodes, and we, we'd build these things. Uh, you know, we built radios. We built, like, you know, uh, things that, you know, like, would light up and, and, and uh, you know, pulse to music, uh, you know, like, like the disco lights. and I mean, crazy stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, you know, I like this. This is uh, it's on my list of things to buy to get uh, for my kids. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just think it's cool. So little bits, and, and and it's interesting because you know the the guys at Radio Shack. Uh, I don't not to go too long on this, but basically, you know, uh, the the quote that I like out of this is, is he says, look. Um, you know, as opposed to purchasing things in the Internet of Things space, because we're moving into this space rapidly right now. Why not allow people to invent whatever they want? Uh, and so let's just power that generation. Let's and it's going back to the roots of Radio Shack. We used to go to Radio Shack to get all these little parts, you know, for things that we were trying to build uh, back in the day. You know, like the hobbyists, do-it-yourself, early makers, and 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 I like that they're kind of embracing their their history and kind of going back to that a little bit. So there you go, Radio Shack. Two thousand stores to sell little bits. Wicked. I, I, I want one. Yeah. I want one. Come to Canada, please. Come to Canada, please. We actually are smart up here. We could we could build stuff. Yeah. All right. For our third story, we're going to be talking about the Daily Deal Roundup. I can't believe it. we're going to be talking about Living Social and Groupon and just like MapQuest and just like Radio Shack. I can't believe these guys are still in business. So. That's the first news is that those guys are still in business. Second thing is uh, Living Social uh, is launching something called Connect for Merchants. And this is a long time coming, I think, for the for this kind of Living Social has gone through a tumultuous couple of years, basically tinkering on the on the brink of bankruptcy. They've replaced their executive teams. And here now they're actually trying to make this transition away from the Daily Deal legacy into basically um, a, a marketing platform. That's the theory here. Mm. And so they're offering this thing called Connect, which is a C. It looks like a CRM offering uh, for merchants to actually engage with their customers they've acquired that they've acquired through using Living Social, which is such a unique thing. They used to own that relationship much like Apple owns the app relationship with the end consumer. So they're breaking down those barriers. I'm going to read exactly what it does here. It allows you to personalize thank you emails to new customers. Like, can you believe that they don't even do that right now? I wonder what's wrong with these guys and why they're going out of business when they hoard all of their customers. Um, so you can do that. And basically, that is, is something that they've never been able to do before. You as a living social customer. Now, you can also customize emails with a business brand and voice to remind customers that a promotion is about to expire. Like, I can't believe that they don't do this. This is the problem with it. Anyways. Uh, they uh, allow you to re-engage customers who purchase a Living Social deal by sending additional free offers or incentives with no additional fees to Living Social. This is business basics. They yeah. also allowed you to build their social brand by you as a, a their meaning you. Uh, build your social brand by communicating with customers on multiple social media channels. I don't know what that means. I'm not sure what that means. And uh, review new customer ratings and respond to their comments and questions directly. This is incredible. So they've done some field tests on this, and ultimately, what it did was a uh, led to about a 10% pickup 
additional pickup as a result of allowing uh, their brands to talk with their customers. It's amazing what happens when you open a channel of communications. But this goes against what Living Social was before, which was the owner of the list. And so now by breaking down those barriers, you're also going to look at this as a great way to, to find new customers and engage with those new customers and take those relationships out of the Living Social context. So that is why we say the Living Social is making this transition to a marketing platform. So that's the first part of the story. Interesting, long time coming. Maybe this saves Living Social. I highly doubt it. I, I think that they're past the point uh, of transition. Uh, I think that all of these guys are. Uh, so speaking of the other guys, which are Groupon, they acquired Swarm. Now, this is not Swarm, that other company that was spun out of Foursquare, which these names are ridiculous. It's time to get some uh, innovation around names. So Groupon acquired Swarm Mobile. This is a company that helps businesses connect with and track their customers well inside of stores. Uh, so Swarm uses the in-store uh, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and infrared technology to track user behavior and deliver targeted promotions on smartphones. So again, this is Groupon kind of getting out to, or, or kind of extending their tentacles into the store from a purely digital play right into the store. I'm going to assume that this is to understand what a... Uh, you know, consumer buying patterns and habits, uh, conversion rates even around Groupons. Um, but these are two two stories that are that really show that you know these guys are at least trying to shift their yeah. businesses away from the daily deal. Well, and I think both of them are really about uh, you know uh, sort of moving away from just being an interface between you know sort of the list and the consumer, right? Uh, to you know giving the merchants actual tools and analytics uh, and you know obviously uh, Groupon has their local commerce Oof. platform uh, you know everybody's trying to get to you know control the point of sale system yes. right Square obviously you know is trying to go there and, and, and all these guys so so it's not surprising but it's it's interesting that Groupon's going into the you know uh, the indoor tracking yeah. piece too yeah. that's kind of you know we'll see because Swarm, Swarm's been a pretty solid player for a while They've raised money and and uh, yeah. and and you know this acquisition. I it just shows like you know you've got the transition is happening away from these daily <clears> deals. <throat> you don't want to be the spammer. You want to be the company that adds value. So uh, you know I think Groupon and Living Social really what they did was they started as a benefit to the consumer and they realized very quickly that the consumer is very fickle. So they have to be a benefit. They have to show the impact of their channel on the retailer or on, on yep. their client, not on the consumer, right? So I think that this is a, a maturation. But again, I think this is like two years too late for these guys, all of them. Uh, you know, Groupon still is a very popular service and maybe Living Social is as well. But, you know, you, can they make this transition? It's very difficult to yeah. change a business model in full flight. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. Our fourth story is uh, about another partnership, a uh, very interesting partnership, I think, uh, between uh, Snapchat and Square. Uh, so this is all about uh, Snapchat. Basically, on Monday, announced a new a new service called Snap Cash. It's the ability to send and receive funds through the Snapchat messaging uh, service, um, and it's using Square's technology on the back end to do this. Um, so basically, Square is is responsible for storing all the user bank and card information. Snapchat obviously doesn't want to do that. Um, and uh, and and basically, uh, you know, you you can send and receive. This is sort of peer to peer, you know, money transfer uh, service, and and it's 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 interesting because uh, from the Snapchat point of view, um, they um, you know we we all know how big a service this is. We we know like you know millions and millions of people are using this. Uh, just to throw a number out there: seven hundred million photos and videos a day 
okay, are, are sent across Snapchat uh, nice. currently. That's a lot. And so the idea with Snapcache is there, there's really two things that they're trying to uh, enable here. So the, uh, the, 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 the most popular demographic on Snapchat is, is teens, right? It's that young generation. It's 14, well, it's 14 to 30, like to 34, they say. But the bulk of that is down in that sort of 14 to 25. Um, and uh, so that's interesting. So, you know, going after that young generation, you know, where, uh, and that same, same demographic, uh, you know, is the biggest group of people, the biggest cohort of people who actually don't have a bank account. Um, you know, it's the combination of those two money. things. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? So, uh, so I kind of like this. I think this is is neat. Um, and and you know, we all know about Snapchat's you know sort of for, for format where the message disappears and all that. So the idea that you can quickly send cash and 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 it it kind of disappears in a similar way. <laughs> Hopefully, your cash is not disappearing from your bank account too fast uh, as well. But uh, yeah, so there you go. Is that Snapchat's revenue model is to uh, is to do this? And if you don't collect it in a certain amount of time, it goes into their <clears throat> bank account, not yours. It's brilliant. Yeah, it, maybe it's brilliant. And so, and, and, you know, and, and and I think this is this this got some legs, right? PayPal's doing this as well. Yeah. Uh, they've got a service with Venmo doing yeah, something very why? very similar. So my question on that though is, see, why partner? And and you know what? Let's hold that because we're going to be talking about this whole concept of partnership, right? Yeah. Testing software okay. partnerships. And I got a question about why would they go with Square, uh, which is clearly right. a credit card transaction company, and instead of PayPal, which is it ties to a bank account. So I'm we'll come back to that. Okay. Yeah, I like you know these partnerships are cool. There you go. All right, our fifth story. Now, hey, you know what? Ottawa is on the map. My city of Ottawa is on the map. Now, you know why? Can I tell you why? Yeah. Guess. Here it is. Whole Foods opened up this week in Ottawa. There you go. Whole Foods in Ottawa. Boom. You cannot deny that we are a capital city. We are a capital of our country. And now we have a Whole Foods. And Whole Foods in Atlanta, one of their newest stores in Atlanta, not Ottawa, but I just had to bring that up. Uh, um, and the lineups were insane. It was just insane. They, they think that 10,000 or 20,000 people went through the store in the first day, and it's just been nuts. But um, Whole Foods in Ottawa. But they're, they're, one of their newest stores in Atlanta is actually has created this very dynamic displays, four of these great dynamic displays, all in aims of teaching consumers about the food they buy and about the people that provide it. This is very interesting uh, as a concept. There are four interactive installations in the store. I'm going to go through them very quickly so that you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, the first one is called Farm Meat Table, and this is what they say it is. It's it, Consumers can look into the lives of the people who provide their food, and each window, a bunch of screens obviously, each window will show Q&As, maps, and video profiles as well as pictures from the farmer's Instagram feeds. Now. I'm not sure I know many farmers who Instagram, so I'm going to assume that they're getting help with the whole Instagramming piece of it. That's one interactive display. The second interactive display is called Perfect Pairings, which is highly local. This is really cool from a location-based marketing world. Yeah. Each of this installation's three sections has an open crate featuring an interactive touchscreen centered on helping people discover new products based on their tastes, favorite pairings of the local community, and answering questions about things like how much wine to buy for a party which is always never enough, of course, or, or, or how to make a cheese plate. So that is perfect pairings. I like the locational context there. The third thing is called whole body mirror, uh, which is the only one that I really don't get uh, because I'm not into existentialism and uh, seeing my aura. But when customers look into the mirror, they'll see their reflections as one of three auras, energize, refresh, or relieve. 
By mimicking a pose such as flexing your muscles or hugging oneself, the consumer activates a burst of the aura, which then recommends a related product. Huh? Huh? Okay. All right. And the last one uh, is very interesting. It's called Wisewood. It's a 12-foot wooden tower that tells the story of responsibly grown food, the market's new product rating system. Uh, each of the tower's wooden knobs illustrates a different sustainable farming practice, such as water use or waste management. So it shows really what the difference is between traditional you know, mass-marketed uh, or mass-raised farms versus responsibly grown farms. And this is their own branding. Very interesting concepts. This is a great way to educate the difference between Whole Foods versus every other grocery store. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I haven't seen it, but I'm interested to see this roll out across multiple others. Hey, Ottawa, brand new store. Interesting. They did this there. Love it. Yeah. All right. Sticking with our theme of partnerships, yes. our next story is about a, a partnership between two behemoths out there, Spotify and Uber. Uh, so this is interesting. So basically, uh, Uber and Spotify, they've teamed up and uh, they're letting uh, you know people who, who have Spotify accounts and, and ride Uber, basically you can select your own Spotify playlist. Uh, that will activate you know once you hop into your Uber ride. Um, and so basically, um, you know, you're you're a Spotify subscriber. As soon as you hop in the uh, the Uber card that you've you've, you've arranged, um, you know your your Spotify playlist will start playing. Uh, the driver has control over volume, but that's about it. Uh, it's <laughs> launching it right in uh, in ten cities uh, initially, including Toronto being one of those cities. So uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, so the ten cities are London, L.A., New York, Nashville, Mexico City, San Francisco, Singapore, Stockholm, Sydney, and Toronto. Um, so yeah, this is, uh, this is very, very interesting. It's, um, you know, it gives Uber, I think from an Uber point of view, it gives them access to, you know, the millions and millions of, uh, of Spotify users out there. So, you know, helps potentially expand, uh, the Uber, uh, Uber user base. And, and I think it, it, it's another reason to stay with Spotify if, if you like Uber, right? Uh, that you can hear the music that you want while you're sitting in the car getting driven wherever you're getting driven. So there you go. Partnerships, partnerships, partnerships. <clears throat> See if we're going to be talking about this whole idea about uh, software partnerships. That's uh, a big yeah. story. All right, our seventh story is um, around Target and working with uh, Point Inside for Black Friday. Now, I'm going to give you a synopsis, and I'm going to let Chuck Martin tell you exactly about his experience about going into a Target this past week because uh, he, of course, is our uh, man on the ground. He'll test all these things for us, and he went into a store that where they had announced it was coming, but he always knows that it's implemented before they announced it, so he went in and tested right. it out for us. So they've updated its uh, Target has updated its mobile app to include point-and-side technology. Uh, that's right, in-store maps within the app help guide weary shoppers like us. Uh, to the thing they want without all the hunting, pecking, and actually talking to a human, which we all hate to do when we're in these stores. Anyways, we avoid eye contact with any sales rep. We just w would rather spend four hours looking for our product now with Point Inside and their app. You don't have to do that. It also marries uh, all of this technology with inventory control. And for Black Friday, they're going to offer a specialized maps uh, that will display where the deals are in the store. But here, listen. Chuck had a great experience about this. He was out there trying to find, uh, I think, a snow brush and a tarp. And this is his experience using the uh, the Target app with Point Inside. And uh, you know what? It worked. Too bad the inventory wasn't great. But here, this is Chuck's experience. Mm. Now, Target recently uh, announced that they were deploying 
basically in-store lo- uh, uh, product tracking, which was ha- happened just recently. But I went before that knowing that stores deploy the technology before they announce it. So I figured they had the stuff there, so, which they did. Uh, I walk into the store, open the app, bango. I, find, I type in tarp, shows me exactly where to go. I go over to uh, E36 is the aisle. Um, now I'm shopping looking up as opposed to looking down at my phone, looking up, up at all the signs to find me out. Find it easily, no problem. And there is a tarp. Now it tells me there are multiple tarps in the app. There's this smaller size and larger size. I need the larger size. They have the smaller size there. There is no larger size. And here's one of the issues with, with mobile in-store with, with these location trackers. You, it's the human factor. You can't tell. that The technology knows where a product is supposed to be, but it doesn't yet know that it's still there. Uh, a shopper could have picked it up. An employee could have picked it up. Uh, it might not have been put there in the first place because they put it in the wrong place. Anyway, that tarp was nowhere to be found. But I needed a snow brush too. So I typed a snow brush, bang. I found exactly where the snow brush was. They had tons of snow brushes. I picked up the snow brush. I'm all set to buy it. And I thought, wait a minute. I still need a tarp. So I've got to go to a different store. I'm not doing checkout twice during this holiday shopping season. Put the snow brush back, left, headed over Home Depot. So there you go, Chuck, our man on the ground, our feet on the street. He'll test anything that has to do with beacons and technology and location-based stuff for us and retail. So uh, thanks thanks to Chuck. That's part of that's a small part of a much longer episode. It's like five or six minutes where he talks about his entire experience doing this kind of stuff, going into stores like uh, Target, like Home Depot, and testing all this technology for us. So that will be up <coughs> soon on Untether.tv. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter. You'll get it before everybody else does. That's all I got to say. All right. All right. Our eighth story is about another partnership. This time it's uh, Shazam and AdSpace uh, Networks teaming up. So uh, this is interesting. This is something I've been talking about for a while uh, as a use case for Shazam. So I'm, I'm excited to see that it's finally happening. So AdSpace Networks is a company that has uh, digital digital screens in, uh, in, in, uh, in shopping malls uh, around uh, the U.S. In fact, 200 shopping malls uh, nationwide. And uh, so now they've taken Shazam's, uh, you know, uh, audio uh, sensing technology, audio listening, uh, ultrasound type technology, uh, and in digital screens in these malls where there's audio built into them, they embed, uh, you know, signals that the Shazam app can uh, can respond to, just like Shazam's been doing in TV and radio for a little while. Now they're doing it in, in digital uh, out of home uh, in partnership with AdSpace. So. Um, you know, potentially big reach here. Like I said, 200 malls. AdSpace has about 58 million uh, unique shoppers each month. Uh, 2,800 screens uh, that this is connected to, and so um, you know, this is interesting. And this is both uh, screens that are floor mounted as well as aerial. Uh, and the range on this stuff, uh, from what I read about, it, is 40 feet. Hmm. So if you're within 40 feet of a screen um, and it's got audio coming out of it, uh, and uh, the Shazam app is on your device, it'll be able to detect. And then create a, a call to action on your mobile device that they want you to take that might direct you to somewhere in a mall. It's crazy cool. Yeah, it like is, it. It is Shazam taking over the world. Yeah, well, them, them and their half a billion users. Yeah. I wonder if it, uh, and we can talk about this because this is talking about partnership, but just specifically on this, I wonder if it works with the native version that's embedded in Siri, right, in iOS. Yes, I don't think so yeah. because... Uh, I don't think, uh, yeah, I think the Siri thing is is you have to actually Tell it. initiate that, yeah. you know, the, as opposed to the Shazam itself uh, directly uh, runs in the background, right? Yeah. All right. Well, so. it's just, it's interesting because a lot of this stuff could be built into the operating system eventually. And yeah. Who knows? All right. Our ninth story, Asif, in a weird, 
I don't know. Would you use this, Asif? The story is this, is that we all know that we collect loyalty points, especially airline loyalty points, at a, an insane rate. When you, when you buy groceries, when you pay for gas, when you actually take flights, when you do a whole bunch of things, you get points, air miles or whatever it might mm -hmm. be. So United Airlines has a new payment option that allows, um, that leverages, like I don't know, like hundreds of Apple iPads around uh, airports uh, to be able to redeem loyalty points, um, basically flight miles, for food and for merchandise inside of these airports. Now, this is rolling out. Where is this rolling out? This is, it's it's basically rolling out in New Jersey, right? Mm -hmm. In the airport in New Jersey. Yep. Uh, Newark travelers. Um, so uh, it's starting with the uh, Newark, New Jersey hub. Now, this is crazy because they have 95 million mileage plus members uh, around the world. And uh, it's said to be about that you for every 143 miles, keep this in mind, for every 143 miles, uh, you get a dollar's worth of product. Right. So they give an example here uh, in Bloomberg where they talk about if you want to go into a, uh, a say, um, at Saison, which is a French bistro in Terminal C in Newark's airport, a $29 seared salmon entree will cost you 4,150 miles and uh, a $14 sidecar runs uh, 2,000 miles and a bottle of Fiji water, which is $2.99, costs you 430 miles. So uh, this is an interesting way because all of a sudden, you know, you have a tremendous number of miles that you cannot spend quick enough. This is, we've all heard nightmares about trying to book flights as a result of the fact mm -hmm. that there's limited inventory of flights. So they're looking at ways that you can spend these miles because guess what? This is a liability on their books. They have to make you spend sure. these things because it is a liability. It's a debt owed to you and there's a monetary value. So they're looking for ways to actually get the money, get those uh, those points spent while you're sitting captive in the airport. But uh, Asif, yeah, would I mean, you do this? Well, okay, so so I have lots of miles, right? Yeah. I, I travel all the time, they sit there, I agree. I think I think that you know, opening up different ways for me to take some of those miles and, and, and use them to buy stuff. I'm in the airport anyways, I'm eating anyways. Uh, you know, I, I like it. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's expensive. Well, it's expensive, but, but at the same time, you know, the, for for me, you know, it, it's. I, I think this is this is good for the for the for the traveler. It's good for United uh, in terms of you know taking taking you know getting people to actually use those miles, right? They, they got to they got to take take that balance down off the books. Um, what is kind of weird for me here is the iPad piece, yeah. right? As the way to activate it, like if if they tied this to something like Apple Pay or some other mechanism for actually com completing the transaction, yeah, I, I'd like it a lot more. Yeah. Um, and there's a comment here that I saw on payments at payments.com, P-Y-M-N-T-S.com, where Ed B says, 6,000 tablets, classic. Only an airline would solve a data challenge with a hardware solution. And that's the problem, right? Is that, yeah. you know, it's not, uh, it's incongruent. Incongruent, I think, is, is the way that we would put this, is that it does make a lot of sense. They should be, it should be native in the app or it should be part of um, Passbook or some kind of payment system. Um, yeah. But, I just it, like it, it's it's crazy to me. I, I think about how hard I work for my miles, right? When I travel, mm -hmm. and I'm sure if we did the the math, where for every 143 miles you traveled, it's a dollar in, in equivalent in cash. Uh, you know, you would you would quickly think like I know. So 15,000 uh, air miles will get me to San Francisco, right? And mm -hmm. what they're saying here, or 15,000, basically uh, 9,000 uh, air miles will will get me. A, a a a salmon uh, with a side uh, and a and some water, 
Yeah. So I, I mean, it's it, expensive. It's right? too expensive. There's no question, right? But but if, if if you're the guy who's sitting there and you you know you're not using these miles, yeah, then 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 it might be appealing. Um, I, don't I don't know. So you know, anyhow, it, it's expensive right. for me. Uh, yeah, it's expensive. Our last story, though, uh, over to Russia. Uh, no, I'm not going to uh, uh, support uh, Putin's policy on the Ukraine. I can't talk about that. That's just crazy. Um, I'm Wait, with Stephen Harper, our prime minister. The only time I've been proud of Stephen Harper as yes, our prime minister? the only minister. time I've been the proud of him. only time. Good for him. Anyhow, uh, if you've ever been to Moscow or St. Petersburg, you know what a crazy uh, you know situation it is in terms of traffic uh, and congestion. And um, somebody over here uh, has has been thinking about this. Uh, in fact, a guy named Alexei Zarin, Zarinkov, I think is how you say his, his, his last name, um, has created something called Promo Driver. And so what is it? it it's location-based advertising on LED boards that sit in the rear windows of private cars. So think about this. Your private car and in the back you know, uh, windshield of your car is an LED signboard um, that uh, you know you're opening up to uh, to advertising. It, sh- it shows relevant advertising messages to other drivers because you're stuck in traffic. Mm. There's high dwell time going on here. Uh, you're not moving anywhere, and so now your car is 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 a location based ad platform. That's cool. Uh, and and it's, it's this is fascinating. It's uh, so it's called Promo Driver. Um, it's uh, and and the ad, ad space is delivered on both location and day parting, so they, they, they it's time sensitive. All the cars are tracked by satellite and connected by mobile uh, and and traffic forecasting data. So they have real time traffic forecasting data around this. Um, I like it. I really, I, I think it's really interesting, and it, it does. It, like obviously, this wouldn't work in 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 many other cities, but when you have super congested uh, traffic like that, uh, um, this 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 is an interesting idea. So check it out, Promo Driver, uh, Russia. Yeah, it's innovation when when you know when you're when the chips are down and you know you're stuck <laughs> in traffic. You might as well look at ads in front of you instead of just being you know on the back of a bus. Yeah. This is actually pretty cool, and you don't have to paint your car. No, no, that's neat. No. Promo driver. All right, those are the top 10 stories of the week. I think we did a great job uh, summarizing those. Some of them are pretty long, but uh, you know, th- this is the this is just an eclectic group. And I know Asif sifts through hundreds of stories a week I to do. be able to bring the top 10. gives gives us a good global view of what is going on in in this market. It's it's insane. Uh, so you see these stories like promo driver. Who would, would you have found that? No, you wouldn't have. Be honest with yourself. You wouldn't have found that. <laughs> so uh, those are the top 10 stories. If yours was not in there, that is your fault. You should be reaching out to us, Robin on tether.tv or Seif at the LBMA.com. We will cover your story. We'll try to fit it in somewhere. We'll cover your story. We'll do an, an additional story. It might not be in the next episode, but it will come. So please reach out to us if you have any news that you would like to share with us. Before we get into our top three stories, we have another guest. As I said, it's Ryan Craver, formerly of Lord & Taylor and HBC. He has now stepped out on his own just recently in the last couple of weeks. But while he was at HBC and Lord & Taylor, he was the guy who was pioneering the beacons in the store. So they started with a small rollout of Lord & Taylor stores, and now they've, they're going up to 140, 150 stores nationwide, North America-wide, HBC in Canada, Lord & Taylor in the United States, with beacons, the deployment with beacons, because he saw some insane traction when it came to to beacons in these stores with their consumers so i sat down with ryan craver the full episode will be up on untether.tv relatively soon but in the interim you get a sneak peek a sneak preview of my conversation with ryan craver formerly of hbc and lord and taylor here's ryan 
Deacons, from what all I can tell, are not even in the purview of the majority of retailers today. But yet HBC, the oldest retailer in North America, says, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna start with Beacons, Lord and Taylor. We're gonna do a couple of stores. We're gonna do some tests, and then we're and then we're gonna roll them out across uh, North America." How, how does that conversation go internally? That it's like, okay, no, 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 Beacons, guys, Beacons. And how did yeah. you guys come to that decision? Yeah. So when when I uh, about two years ago. When, when we started looking at what we were going to go after, and then we had a new president starting, Liz Rod Bell, who took over for Bonnie Brooks with Department Store Group, we sat back and we thought about what she wants to be known for, internally and externally. <clears throat> and the idea was is uh, we wanted to be known as a retailer that was living off of our heritage, our rich heritage, yet innovative. And so we started to look at various technologies that were innovative to inspire internally and then externally be viewed as innovative. And, you know, things like Bitcoin and mobile and, and beacons were the big ones. The reason why we were so thrilled with beacons is not necessarily just to push promotions. It was more thinking longer term. When you think about stats of, you know, close to 60% of people would rather not talk to a store associate when they come into the store, I don't currently, or we didn't currently, have any resolution for that. We had no way in which they could potentially shop. So thinking about that, you know, longer term, we're only in its infancy for Beacons. Longer term, there is this wave of self-sufficiency where I believe Beacons will empower customers to come into a retailer, be able to query whatever they'd like, whenever they'd like, wherever they are within the store, pay either through Touch ID with Apple or Google Wallet, and then essentially walk out of the store or query customer service if they ever need it. Um, and that's kind of what we shot for. And we said, okay, let's take you know a 10 store test. Initially, we thought that it would be tough to do, but these things are peel and stick. <laughs> and we, we found the right platform in which we knew we could c control the creative and make marketing feel comfortable. And we took uh, took that bet, and the results were a heck of a lot better than we ever thought they were. And we decided, you know what? It's worthwhile pre-holidays to roll these out. How soon into the 10-store trial did you guys look at this and say, I mean, we're going all in on this? Uh, so I'm not going to lie. I, I was following this stuff to the minute, you know, like pressing F5 when I was on a Windows PC, like every other minute. Um, I, I was so built into this thinking that we were going to do it. Um, so I was pretty quick to think so. Um, but I think it probably took two or three weeks um, after the initial buzz died down. So probably in month two. Um, but at that point, you know, again, when you think about peel and stick, the ability to own creative, um, and the fact that you're working with a platform that gives you the analytics at your fingertips to truly prove that it's successful, um, you know, it's game over. Why wouldn't you do it? Well, so, the, I mean, we, we've documented the results uh, on all these other shows that, that, that I run because they're stupendous. We saw it, we heard them in Chicago. You heard them in New York at the Beacons Conference. Uh, but why don't you, like, what were the results, the early results that uh, they kind of prompted you guys to get right in, to go whole hog? 
Yeah, so when I did share these results at the at the Beacon Conference, I just wanted to make sure that I'm very clear. Today we're on apps that are very promotional or shopper-based, intent-based purchases. So these are customers that are coming to find a deal. Right. And when we would send an engagement, the open rate would be in the high 50 percentage. Um, the actual engagement then click to claim. Yep. So there's a coupon typically at the end of these or some type of uh, content in which they can reveal was in the high 20s. Wow. And so I, I think as long as we continue to find promotional apps and we provide compelling content, editorial content that's worthwhile, those rates will stay you know, high relative to the other campaigns we're doing. But if we ever decide to get into other apps that are more mass media apps, um, we'll start to see those drift down. But when you compare those to things like email and mobile banners and geo-targeted ads, it's, it's incredible. That was Ryan Craver, formerly of HBC and Lord & Taylor. He's now stepped out on his own. He hasn't announced what he's going to be doing yet, but I'm sure it's going to be great. Uh, I really appreciate him letting us use that clip here on This Week in Location-Based Marketing. He was at Retail Loco, uh, which he is was. the uh, penultimate LBMA event. And he is also was at a Beacon conference with Chuck that Chuck organized in New York City a couple of weeks ago. He seems to be everywhere. I really appreciate him taking a moment to come and sit with me on Untether.tv and let us use that clip here. Um, so thank you, Ryan. And you'll see more of him, obviously, if you go to Untether.tv in a couple of weeks. But remember, get on the mailing list. That's the easiest thing to do. So you won't forget. So we've got our two top stories, Asif, that we're going to do a deep dive in based on the conversations that we've had in our top 10 stories. The first one we're going to talk about, do, we, do you want to do the uh, software partnerships? Because I think yeah, that was, that. look, the whole, if you didn't notice, I think six out of the 10 stories were around partnerships that happened, whether it was uh, Uber and, uh, well, so what were they? They were uh, Snapchat partners with Square. Um, the next one Uber was Spotify, Spotify and Uber. Yeah. Uh, Target and Point Inside, Shazam and AdSpace. Uh, so, so these are big partnerships that happen. And there's a trend here. And uh, from my perspective here, he, Mark Andreessen over at Andreessen Horowitz, the founder of Netscape, ha came out and said, look, software is eating the world. And we, we tend to agree with that. And, and we're starting to see this emerge now in the world where software, the greatest thing about software is you can test very quickly. You can deploy ideas on things like Product Hunt or on Tether.co where you can actually quite literally test your ideas before anybody actually needs to buy the product. There's Kickstarter, there's Indiegogo. These are ways to generate ideas or understand if there's a demand for the product out there before you start laying code. Now, when it comes to the enterprise, there is a challenge for these companies to be able to test ideas very quickly without betting the farm. And that's why I like what we're seeing here with things like Spotify and Uber, where Uber wants to understand how they can, uh, how what the impact of music in a cab will do for retention and reuse. So here, Spotify. Now, Spotify is interested in doing that in order to understand, hey, what, what kind of new customer base can we get as a result of leveraging Uber's customer base to show them that Spotify, you can be a DJ in your own cab. So that's a perfect example where you're doing some testing, you're doing a little dating, you're doing some rapid prototyping in order to be able to see what happens as a result. And then you can make a decision whether it has an impact and do a deep dive, acquire or build the technology internally. Now, I'm not saying that Spotify builds Uber, but Uber could quite frankly integrate Spotify into the app very quickly. And so the, that's the way I look at this is that these are all just precursors to some big, big announcements that come down the, down the, down the road when it comes to uh, deeper partnerships. 
others like Snapchat and and Square. But that was that that to me that's what we're see, we're seeing here is a lot of testing, seeing what sticks, and then I think the next phase, six months, nine months down the road, is hey Snapchat, let's acquire Square, which would be an interesting buy, right? Mm-hmm. Which would be an interesting play because of their relationships. Then you'd be able to do you know pay your Starbucks with uh, Snapchat. So that that's that's what it looks like to me. What's your perspective on this? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, for, for me, there's there's a couple higher level things to think about here. So generally, you know what, you know, first of all, the, you know, the, all of this speaks to you know uh, a market that's maturing around location and mobile uh, and payments and all these things are starting to come together, right? I yes. mean, we've been doing the LBMA now for five years, and five years ago, you know, there was certainly lots of, of tech uh, location based uh, startups, you know, uh, coming out on the horizon. We had guys like Goala and Whirl and all these companies who've since disappeared uh, or been acquired, uh, I should say. But now, you know, th- those that have kind of sustained, uh, you know, the market's maturing and, and they're finding ways to actually generate revenue and not just build, you know, uh, you know download cohorts. Um, that don't do anything and, and can't be monetized. Uh, so you know the revenue starting to flow, um, and I think uh, you know the, these types of partnerships between major major players. Like I mean, these these are not like you know guys who who just launched you know three weeks ago. These are companies in Spotify and Uberfy, uh, Spotify and Uber. Did I say Uberfy almost? <laughs> Spotify and Uberfy. That's an that's uh, the new company. Spotify and Uber uh, yeah. or Snapchat and Square. These are big companies that you know have billions of dollars of valuation um, that are starting to work together and to test and iterate concepts. I think you know behind the scenes though, there is you know definitely a lot. If if you look into sort of the you know the ownership of these companies, the investors behind these companies, you'll see a lot of these companies are sitting within the same investment portfolios, and so we're actually looking for synergies. Between companies that potentially could end up, you know, being, uh, you know, put together, or what have you, and 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 we see a lot of that, um, you know, out there right now. So if you if you if you look at Andreessen Horowitz, for example, as, and and what they've invested in, I guarantee you, you'll see that some of these companies, you know, that that are teaming up, you know, belong to the same investment portfolio, right. um, and so kind of like you know, uh, in the music industry where you see a label. Uh, right, and then, and then all of a sudden you see a collaboration between you know Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga, and you're like, "What's the, I don't I don't get that." Right, that's weird, right? Um, because the label's sitting there going, "Well, you know, both of these artists are are in our stable. Uh, you know, we we we're gonna try and find a way to put them together and see if we can widen the audience uh, for both of these artists and ultimately make more money." And I think, in a similar way. Uh, from an investment portfolio perspective, you're starting to see these big companies, you know, test and, and see, you know, is there any kind of fit? Can we can we both, you know, benefit? Is the sum of the two, you know, greater uh, in terms of audience and revenue and, and customers? Um, and I think it's really interesting. As long as they don't go so far as as the music industry goes, which frustrates me to no end. You know, when you, when when you take an artist like Taylor Swift, for example, and you say, okay. Uh, you know, you came up with your guitar and your country, and you're, you know, you're cute, and 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 you had a good, you had a good vibe going, and then all of a sudden now you're doing hip hop and and whatever, like, <laughs> you know, like because the label's trying to like, you know, widen your audience, and and, and um, is that what she does? Is hip hop? I don't know what she does, oh like God. pop, dance, whatever. That's crap. not what she started it's with. Crap, though, right? It's crap, right? Um, so I don't like the, I don't like when that happens in the music industry. I like you know when when you stick to you know what you what what you started with, what got you there in the first place. Should we? T- uh, is this the appropriate time to br- bring up Bruce Springsteen? 
Yes. Can I? I think so. Because yeah. I think there's the perfect example of a guy who's held on to his beliefs from day one. Yeah. Isn't compromised. Yeah. Although although his rendition of, of, of that Lord song is pretty good. Yeah. I think he does it better, better than Lord for me. <laughs> See. Um, End this episode now. Yeah. Never seen a diamond in the flesh. I cut my teeth on wedding rings in the movies. I'm not proud of my dress. In a torn up town, in a torn up town, and every song's like gold teeth, gray goose tripping in the bathroom, bloodstains, ball gowns, trash in the hotel room. I don't care. Baby, I don't care Everybody's like crystal made black diamonds on your timepiece Jet planes, islands, tiger on a gold leash I don't care I'm not caught up in your love affair I'll never be royal Don't run in our blood That kind just ain't for us I crave a different kind of love Let me be your But anyway, you see what I'm getting at, right? Like, I, I think it's it's if if behind the scenes you take the time to kind of look at you know patent portfolios, investment portfolios, and then you look for synergies across that. You know, that's part of what powers some of these big deals that are going on. I 100 percent agree, and and I think that I'm know, done. Enough said. But but it, it's so true. But I also think that a lot of these partnerships are 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 twofold. Um, one of them is 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 that is is what we just talked about. But the other one is also around protecting your space. So Spotify, I, I keep coming back to that Spotify and Uber thing. Like Uber is in, in like the, in the media bad books these days, and and it, it happens. Um, you, you know, I've heard some great jokes about Uber right now, which is you know so um, Google's new slogan is not "Don't be evil," it's "Don't be Uber," right? That kind of stuff. Right? But when this all passes, and maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, and even in Ottawa, our mayor has stood up and said, we don't believe in Uber, we want Uber out of our city, which is ridiculous to me because you're stifling innovation. And what does that say about a company that is innovative and changes the way that you order a cab or you order a car, To and a mayor stands up and says, no, we don't want that here. It's like, yeah. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. But when I think about Spotify, is that what did, what did YouTube just announce? YouTube just announced YouTube Music. Right, which is a, a streaming mm -hmm. service. And Apple is about to put Beats on every device in 2015. It's going to be part of the operating system. So Spotify needs a way, because they're now the underdog, to be able to hold on to their existing user base and be able to in, in, you know, entrench themselves in something and find new ways of finding new users. And I think that because they don't have the operating system clout that Android has on Google's side and iOS has for Apple. So this is a defensive measure as well. And I think that you're going to start to see a lot of these companies. And even when it comes to Shazam, Shazam gave up the goat when they gave Apple Shazam Win Siri. Yeah. We talked about that in a different episode, is that I haven't installed Shazam. 
on my device. They have to give me a reason to reinstall it now because they've taken the one thing that I used it for and made it part of the operating system, rendering the Shazam app useless to me. Well, with the, with the exception of this, I mean, I'm, I'm a heavy Shazam user. I'm always out, I'm always hearing stuff. I'm like, yep. what is that song? I launched Shazam. Uh, as opposed to, you know, I mean, I, I do use the Siri part of it every once in a while too. Um, but the thing I don't like about the Siri uh, piece of Shazam is you, you, can, you can say, hey Siri, what's this song? And obviously it checks the Shazam database and comes back and tells you. But unlike the actual Shazam app itself, it doesn't store all the tags. Right. You don't have a list of all the things that you've Shazammed, yeah. right? Um, and that's what, like for me, what happens is, is like I go out, I Shazam a bunch of stuff, and then maybe once a month, I kind of go through that list, and then I go and say, okay, what, what songs do I actually want to buy, right? Uh, and pull them down. And you can't do that with, this, with, the, with the Siri one. Well, I, I mean, I just listen to the Springsteen channel on Spotify, so I don't really need, need Well, yeah, I mean, you, you don't need it. That no. I mean, like, it's, when, when it's only one artist, I mean, it's... It, it's pretty easy. Like, that's it's what you've got to do. You've got you've to curtail your listening to yeah. just one artist. Anyways, partnerships, I think they're a precursor to big announcements, testing, new business models. We're going to start to see that roll out. That's why this, this episode was laden with partnerships, and that's, that's what's so fascinating about this. But software makes it easy to do that, especially with this open API and SDK world where you just say, okay, take this, put mm -hmm. it in here, and it's integrated. So, and then you roll it out to your existing users, which could be hundreds of millions of users in, in Uber and, and Spotify and in Shazam. So it's crazy, crazy simple to do these testing. <clears throat> the second thing we want to talk about, that's story number one. The second thing we want to talk about is this maker movement hits the IoT for kids. And I think that this is, there's a criticism in the world right now, and it's general, that we are not, gen we're not building a, a next generation of makers, we're building a next generation of users. And what that means is that, you know, nobody's out there building a new operating language. Nobody's out there building anything that's new. They're just leveraging from, you know, basically sitting on the shoulders of those that have built before and, and adding layers on top of that. So we see that in the app world, that there's not a lot of innovation around apps. There's not a lot of innovation around software and hardware development. And, but there is an emerging piece now where hardware is important. And I think you have to teach this into the kids in a very young age is that uh, whether it's the Minecraft generation, you have to teach them how to be makers. They have to go into their basement one day and the next day come out with a product that they've invented with their own hands or their own code or doing something like that. And I think that for me, this movement maker that Radio Shack is doing with the Internet of Things starts to stimulate imagination, starts to re-engage people in the idea of being an engineer and being a software developer or hardware developer. And I think that this is amazing. Uh, I cannot wait to me, this is worthwhile going down to the States just to buy this for my kids. Yeah. But that's right, the big story for you, Rob, while I'm down there. Yeah, please. <laughs> please, please, please. All the duties. Uh, but but that's... Yeah, no, I, I'm all over this. Like I said, I mean, it, it's, you know, for, for me, this, this is one of the, like, you know, like, my dad was not a sports guy. My dad was not, uh, you know, he was a music guy. You know, we bonded over that. And we bonded over things like this. Like he, he you know, he liked to tinker uh, with stuff. He's not. He wasn't like a hardware guy. He couldn't go and build, build you a deck or you know, uh, you know, fix things around the house. But he liked to play around with little electronics and, and things like this. And 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 so this is one of the things that we did together. And and I I, I kind of miss that you know with my own kids in that you know it, we haven't had that. And and so I, yes, at school you know. The kids are learning to code already, you know, and they're doing some things like that. But I think there's this need for, you know, I, I did it myself. I yeah. built this thing. I created this. Look what it can do. Um, 
you know, and, and, and that whole movement around that, um, you know, I, I think it's powerful. I, I think it, it teaches our kids uh, a whole different way to think, a whole different way of creating synapses and, and, and cognitive, um, you know, space, in, 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 you know, in, in the minds of these kids. And, and, and you want to do it when they're kids. We know, for example, with language, right, if you, if you expose your kids to foreign languages, you know, when they're four and five and six, you know, they pick it up, you know, so fast. Like my niece... Um, you know, my, my sister's married to a French Canadian guy and, uh, you know, at, at home, um, he only speaks French w w with, uh, w with their daughters. Uh, and she goes to French like school, uh, like uh, full day French school. Um, but, and my, and my sister only speaks English to her. And so like this kid's like three and a half, four and fluent, interchangeable, yeah. like completely bilingual, fluent, you know, switching between languages already. And, and I think it's, it's really, really amazing uh, to see, you know, what you can do in, when you impress this kind of way of thinking on, on, on young minds. And I, like, I mean, look at, like, all the, all the technology, all the startups that have come out, you know, over the last 20 years and some of the companies we've been talking about. I can only imagine when kids have the ability to create in this way. What what the next generation you know will uh, will create for us? I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Um, so I'm 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 pumped about this whole maker movement, uh, kids maker movement. Bring it, and hopefully it re rescues a a brand like Radio Shack. But if it doesn't, hopefully it doesn't die with a brand like Radio Shack. What I would hope is other companies start to look at this and and build this out. And w the thing that I love about it is that it's so relevant. I would love to be able to build uh, a notification uh, something that that tells me when the fridge door is ajar, right? Because then I can yeah. use it later on when it's, uh, you know, when the liquor cabinet door is ajar, and it shouldn't be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I, th and I think it goes hand-in-hand, hand too, with this whole uh, evolution of 3D printing, right? Uh, it's not going to be long before everybody's got a 3D printer in their house, right? And so, you know, being able to create your own parts, uh, you know, connected to, the, you know, the, the way this whole I IoT or Internet of Things space is, is evolving, I think it's fascinating to see you know where this is going to go, and and I almost feel like uh, you know my kids are already you know kind of getting up there. Your kids are you know kind of getting up there, and it's almost like oh, can, 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 like can we go back a little bit? Because now the technology is like really really cool and really interesting, and I'm like ah, missed it. You know, like it's almost like they're gonna miss it, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, you think that, but you know these guys are still learning long form. They're learning printing, but. Our teachers are telling us now to bring in laptops and uh, at eight, and that's a fascinating yeah. transition that's happening because they know that those are the skills that are required. Printing is no longer required. Isn't that terrible? Yeah, as long as we don't lose, lose cursive writing. We'll see what happens with that. We're going to lose it. I can't do cursive, but I'm left-handed. I can never do cursive. Uh, I, I, I never use it anymore. No. Well, what's the I, point? All I do is print now, yeah? so it's crazy. I don't even do that. I even just, that's messy. Exactly. It's terrible. As I said, I'm left-handed. So, I mean, we never learned how to write at all. So, well, those are the stories. Top 10 stories of the week that we went through. We had Ryan Craver sitting here from uh, HB, formerly of HBC and Lord and & Taylor. And our two stories, there are two key stories, which are around um, testing software partnerships. And this maker movement hits IoT for kids, which is fascinating. We're going to start to see some of that stuff. And, and as we go through it, and I finally get a kit. We'll be down in the States later this month. Uh, we'll definitely see if I can pick one of those up. And we'll start doing some tests on it. It's going to be so great. I can't wait. Uh, see, if I say that we postpone the resource again this week because the show just runs so great, uh, I don't want to extend it any longer than it has to so that uh, there's a little bit of anticipation for next week. You okay with that? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or, or we could just post a link to it. Um, 
we can do know, that. Whichever you like. So why don't we do that? Um, so the, the resource, just very quickly, is the uh, Placeables Nat Low Top 150. Uh, so basically, uh, just very, very quickly, it's a ranking uh, system that they've come up with to rank uh, digital marketing performance across uh, local search um, optimization. So visibility, depth, perception, and reach, uh, top 150 companies in the U.S. Uh, you can find it at thelbma.com forward slash research. That's it. That's uh, all we have to do. Now, if we could do that for all of our stories, this would be like an eight-minute podcast. Yeah. Yeah, but we can't. We can't. Bring it in-depth knowledge about what's going on here. We'll dump it on you, and then you guys can decide what you want to do with that. So uh, next week, Asif, you will be probably in where? Uh, we will be live from Tokyo. Live from Tokyo when we do this episode. We're going to try to figure out when that is, but we will be back for episode 210 next week. I will be in Ottawa. He will be in Tokyo. Thank you guys for tuning in. We really appreciate it. If you have any comments about this, of course, you can reach out. Rob at untether.tv or Asif at thelbma.com. You can... You can sponsor us. You can join us on patreon.com forward slash on tether. You can send this out as a tweet. You can like us on Facebook. You can do a whole bunch of different things. But what we really do appreciate is that if you are listening to this, you made it through over an hour of content and you really like us. You really, really, really like us. Share this with everybody and we will do this forever. Asif, safe right. flights, my man. You are on a road trip starting tomorrow. Uh, please be safe. Please be wise. And we will connect again one week from today while you are in Tokyo. Thanks, man. All, All right. right. Take care. See you later, everybody. All right. Our uh, third story is, uh, hey, the Daily Deal Roundup. We're going to be talking about Living Social and Groupon. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? I can't believe, like, just like Raiders, I can't believe these guys are still in business. <laughs> it's amazing. MapQuest? It's amazing. Oh, my God. Look at this. I got a spider that is coming down here. That is a crazy spider. That is a giant. I don't know if you can see him, but he's about no. to. He's about to die. Oh, I missed him. Oh, I got him. Come on, come on. Got him. Where'd he go? There he is. That'll go in the blooper <laughs> roll for sure. It just, just Live entertainment here, people. Okay. That happens. Uh.